everybody to another episode of can you dig it a podcast by the silver screen and roll network i'm one of your hosts as always jacob brew joined by hani amadian hani uh this is a rare fun blowout win for the lakers that we're recapping tonight they win by a landslide against the uh spurs on sunday 123 to 92 i didn't look this up when's the last time you can even remember winning a game by this much uh i don't know uh yeah i have no idea i don't remember them blowing out anybody um also it's really cool that since the season last started all over again the lakers are three and out (laughs) that film room meeting that they had that emotional film room session has completely restarted the season, uh, and they are three and zero since then. I'll try to pull it up to see when the last uh, thirty point win was, because I, I, Raj made a joke during the game that he couldn't remember the last time they held a thirty point lead. I said I'm pretty sure they did it uh, against the Thunder last season and blew that game i don't think it was 30 points but it felt like it at the time it's close uh, yeah and to uh both have a 30 point lead and win the game um i this one it's been a long time since the lakers have had this one they did it for a number of reasons but the biggest one uh sunday and this three game winning streak we're joking about the biggest reason for that has been Anthony Davis and just the absurd stretch he is on. Um, There's a number of things I want to talk about relating to that, but just get your thoughts first on just how he's playing right now and just the level he's at. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the last few games especially, I mean, I think we've talked about this a few times. AD has been really, really good all all year long. And he had a stretch of a few games in a row where in the second halves he kind of disappeared. And that was partially his fault, partially his team just not getting him the ball. Um, These last few games, he has been very much a man on a mission of just being super aggressive, uh, getting in the paint, really bodying guys, playing like – he nominally played center last year as well. This is the most he's like looked like an actual true center, like a guy that was born to play center. Um, and yeah, he's just been dominant. He's just stronger than everybody, uh, more skilled than everybody. He's doing it on both ends of the floor. I think you can tell he's getting much, much healthier today, especially I felt like uh, the game against the Spurs, he, he's moving better than he has in a long time all year. Um he started out the game being super aggressive, even as a ball handler, which is not something that uh, AD does a whole lot of. Like he's he's more skilled than most seven footers as a as a ball handler, but he's not. You know, I wouldn't say he's like Giannis either. But today he was definitely really aggressive about uh, you know putting together multiple dribbles, getting into the paint, and, and then scoring. Um, I think all of that has led into uh, being a lot more confident as well. He took a few jumpers today that looked pretty good. 
Um, definitely not something that he needs to be doing a whole lot of, but when he's feeling good and he's cashing those in, you know, it kind of reminds you of him in that 2020 run. Um, and yeah, I, I think these last like three, four games where he's uh, putting up 30 and 15 almost in his sleep, and he did this today in effectively three quarters. He played like the last, the first two minutes of the fourth quarter just to get to 30 points. Um, uh, you know, he, it's just like MVP level performances, and they really, really need that from him and LeBron once he comes back because this team just doesn't have, you know, the depth uh, that other teams have. So. They need those superstar performances from these guys, and AD is 100% delivering right now. That's the biggest thing for me, and that's what I kind of want to focus on first, is this is the Anthony Davis that both people have wanted him to be uh, since he, largely since he came to Los Angeles, but definitely since that 2019-20 season. He was fantastic in that season. I mean, currently I think he's playing even better than that just in a, a pretty different way without the jumpers. And as you said, kind of playing more as a center and getting more comfortable in that role. This is just the level that fans have wanted him to play at and he's delivering. And so that alone is exciting to watch, but more important to the Lakers season right now is this is the AD that the Lakers need. Like without LeBron, um, I was very worried about how this season was going to go because um, I thought I thought this was going to go off the rails a little bit. Uh, with LeBron, things didn't look good. Without him, uh, I did not have high hopes. I was ready to to cash this one in and try to figure out what the best case scenario for a draft pick was. But AD has absolutely been dominant. Uh, with LeBron out and they've needed it to I mean before tonight the last two games they've won Brooklyn and Detroit were obviously much closer games that they needed him to be Shaq almost and they kind of made that reference at the start of the spectrum or on spectrum at the start of the game that he was putting up Shaq like numbers which my first uh, notion was just to kind of laugh at it but then they showed the numbers I'm like well yeah actually those are Shaq like numbers so uh, he didn't have to do it tonight, though he was certainly on pace for it. Um, how important has it been to have him play at this level right now in the season? It's huge. I mean, like this team is, you know, wavering on it, on it being a lost season again uh, in terms of their record. And they need to string together wins, especially during the stretch where they're kind of playing a, a few weaker teams. Which obviously is an important caveat to all of this is that they're, they're doing event doing it against teams that are not very good, the Spurs tonight, the Pistons, even the Nets who uh, probably have a higher ceiling than those two teams, but also at times kind of look like a disaster. Uh, but yeah, the Lakers just need to put up wins right now and and sort of get on track. I think AD after the last game against the Pistons kind of uh, mentioned it uh, to Mike Trudell after the game that. You know, we're not really looking at our record, but also we're kind of looking at our record. And, you know, we need to, you know, get some wins together to, to salvage the season. Um, and, you know, like you said, with LeBron out, they're they're buying him quite a bit of rest right now to, to really nurse that injury, make sure that that, that he's fully good to go. Um, and AD just putting up these performances is, is massive for that. You know, like if they lose against the Pistons 
uh, the other night. I wonder if LeBron would have tried to play today. You know, like things like that, I think kind of matter. And if they can keep kind of performing uh, without him for as long as he needs to be out uh, until he's 100% and AD keeps putting up these numbers and they get the wins, then that really changes the outlook of the season, I think. I think, you know, I'm I'm not going to, like overreact and say now they're they're contenders all of a sudden, but it, it's much more likely that they would have uh, at least a, a decent season if uh, if AD is doing this right now and, and kind of keeps it up for a while. Is this his best stretch as a Laker? I know it's only three games, but is this the best three game stretch he's had as a Laker? Maybe I mean numbers wise, possibly. I, I think it's it's hard for me to put any stretch of his above what he did in the playoffs in, in 2020. Was, he was he was a dominant force of nature, and obviously that was the highest level of basketball, and, and they needed all of that as well to win a championship, and they dominated with him. So I guess because of that, I wouldn't say so, but uh, in terms of just regular season, like putting up big numbers and, and really showing that he's an MVP-level guy again, um, especially with all the noise around him as well of like – should they trade him? Is he actually good enough? Is you know has he been underperforming? Whatever, um, it's definitely a, a very like satisfactory stretch of yeah. basketball from AD. I think there was probably a stretch in the playoffs in that in the bubble that I did not account for. Um, I honestly didn't even think about in the bubble. I have it pulled up. Well, first in the regular season, the only other time that I could find, and I might be wrong on this. It was some very quick research after the game Uh, with the Lakers that he's had 30 points over three straight games was in that 2019, 20 season. Uh, He did it in early March. He had 37 against Philly, 30 against Milwaukee, 30 against the Clippers. Um, As far as I could tell, that was the only time he had 30 in three straight games in the regular season. Now, as you mentioned, he didn't have 30 and three straight games at any point in the playoffs, but just as like a general stretch of games, I think he was probably better, yeah. more impactful uh, mm-hmm. in those. But I mean, that's what the Lakers want is to compare how he's playing to the bubble, because yeah. that's always kind of been this level that he hasn't been able to get to. Um, since it happened that it's always been like, well, when's bubble AD going to come back? This is as close as he's been, and it might be right up there. Again, it's in a lot different ways. He's not shooting three-pointers. He's barely shooting jumpers, but that hasn't changed how dominant and impactful is he that he has been through this stretch. The question now is, and we don't really know when this is going to happen, but how do the Lakers keep him playing at this level when LeBron comes back? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question because I think what happens with LeBron, um, a, a lot of it has to do with the spacing. I think, uh, you know, we kind of think about like uh, surrounding LeBron with with shooters, but part of the reason that that's necessary is because he's a guy that needs to drive to the rim to really get the full force of his his impact. And obviously AD is a guy that needs to stick around the rim to do the same. You know, these last few games has, have, have really shown that when he's around the rim, he can still dominate guys. Uh, you know, he's just a, a massive mismatch for almost everybody in the league. So how they can do that, I mean, you know, if, if the pick and roll game between those two guys and getting them in motion works, if you can stagger their game time even a little bit um, 
and see if they can uh, sort of keep the team afloat separately as well at times. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a challenge, and that's up to the coaching staff. And it definitely feels like they have at least turned a corner in terms of getting AD in the right spots and making sure that he's always a part of the game and going through him. Um, you know, LeBron has talked a lot every single year since he's been with the Lakers that this needs to be AD's team, that he needs to be the guy that takes over and I'll be playing off of him. It never really works out that way. I'm not even really expecting it to work out that way this year because just LeBron is uh, like the alpha dog type of player and he needs to have the ball in his hands and make all the decisions. And that's fine. He's usually amazing at it. But, you know, he, he struggled a little bit this year in, in AD being able to kind of take over games even with LeBron, I think that would be an awesome sign of, you know, what this team is capable of. Yeah, it's always been weird trying to balance that dynamic a bit. Um, AD playing at this level does take off a lot of pressure that's been on LeBron. I was going to mention that if LeBron was healthy, this might have been just a perfect time to rest him anyway. Um so in some senses, it might have been AD by himself out there. But with LeBron, um, it, it is a tricky dynamic because, I, as you said, he's said for um, multiple seasons, basically, ever since the bubble. Might have been that 2019-20 season as well that he wants this to be AD's team. It's been easier said than done for a number of reasons. I don't know that LeBron is the type of player that – like just during a game, we'll just naturally let somebody else run things. Uh, but that's not how AD's even dominating right now. Like he's not, it's not throw the ball to him on the post and let him work and get a jumper. It's a lot of work on the glass. It's a lot of pick and rolls. It's a lot of uh, finishing at the rim. All those things he can do with LeBron on the court in place of, whoever it might be, Troy Brown Jr. or Austin Reeves or Patrick Beverly, whoever it is, you can do that with LeBron on the court. So I'm optimistic that this can continue when LeBron comes back just because of the way he's getting those baskets and um, just the way he's playing. It's not necessarily a, a like a ball-dominant way that he's getting these points. It's not like – not to throw shade, but it's not like Joel Embiid where he's backing up somebody from uh, yeah. 17 feet and scoring. So it gives me some more optimism that this can continue. Whenever LeBron does return, I I have no idea when that's going to be. He practiced a couple times last week, but only the non-contact part of it. I don't know how much practice they're even going to have this week because they play Phoenix on Tuesday. Potentially could practice on thanksgiving maybe i don't know if that's something they want to do but then they have a back-to-back in san antonio so if lebron was waiting for a practice to be able to play i don't know that it's going to happen this week but uh, we'll see how that goes i pulled up some odds for uh ad just out of curiosity um (laughs) mvp is a bit of a stretch because the ladies are bad uh, but he's still plus 18,000 odds uh, for MVP. If you think the that Nets or that uh, video session, film session, really did turn around the season, then go jump on AD plus 
18,000. The the one that surprised me is defensive player of the year. Cuz this I do think AD has a really good case for. Mm-hmm. He is plus 3600. Uh he's hilariously better odds than the reigning defensive player of the year, <laughs> Marcus Smart. Uh but he's b- level with Mikel Bridges, Drew Holiday behind Nick Claxton. Um at that one, it's probably just too early in the season. But the last thing I want to mention about this is because I was looking as well. Do you want to take a guess where Russ ranks in the betting odds for six main of the year? Uh, I'll say like second. It's first by some margin right now. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he is plus 150 for six main of the year. Next is Jordan Poole plus 440. Uh, and then Christian Wood plus seven fifty, and Benedict Matherin at plus nine hundred. I don't know if a rookie's ever won yeah. six man of the year. That'd be fun. But I thought Jordan I Poole was like pretty bad this year. Yes, like he, has. Crazy. he 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 yeah. got that bag and has struggled. Um, it's probably the probably he got. Yeah, I was going to say it could also have something to do with a fight oh. that <laughs> happened before their season, but still. Uh, so if you're if you think Russ is really going to do this, I mean Russ was good and he yeah. he's kind of settled in as this uh, bench player now, not quite as high as like that first week he was there, but not quite as low as uh, I think when we talked last time we were kind of saying the honeymoon period went, or kind of had had gone away, but he's found some some level ground now. So yeah, um, I think he's played well. I don't know that I would have him as the favorite for six man of the year, but where not even 20 games into the season, but those were just interesting odds. I noticed as I was, uh, as I was looking for ADs, um, let's talk briefly, uh, about Austin Reeves, who I kind of mentioned in passing. I'm AD has been by far the most important player while LeBron's out. Second, I think could probably be Austin Reeves who has really picked up his game of late. Uh, on Sunday had 21 points, three assists, seven of 11 from the field, uh, three of four from three. How, I I guess, how do you feel Reeves has played the last handful of games? And is this just kind of, you think a hot streak or just more natural progression of him as he's playing more basically? I mean, the shooting might be a hot streak. Obviously he's like, He's shooting like I think over sixty percent from the field. His last three or four games, like that's that's not going to be sustainable. But overall, he's playing amazing. Like I'm so impressed by uh, just the growth that he's had from last year to this year, and the confidence that he's showing. Um, I think that was like uh, maybe one of the the uh, weaknesses of his game last year, maybe even early this year, that he wasn't always super confident in terms of like looking for his own shot. Um, he's doing that a whole lot more this year. Um, I love that he can he can dribble the ball and and, and pull up for uh, for jumpers. He looked really good driving to the rim today. I thought, um, and uh, we I think we talked about this maybe on the last one or maybe two podcasts ago about him always pump faking and, and driving to the rim, which we were like a little sick of. I feel like he, he's he's definitely like gunning uh, threes a little bit more recently, and obviously the fact that he's making them helps with his confidence. Um, I mentioned this on on Twitter today. I think 
after LeBron and AD, Austin Reeves might low-key be like the best player on the team in terms of uh, getting to the free throw line. And I just looked this up. Since that second Utah game, these are his free throw attempts uh, for each of the next games. So he had seven against Utah, then three, five, three, four. And then tonight against the Spurs, he had another four. And for a guy who is the best free throw shooter on the team percentage-wise, uh, the fact that he can get to the get to the rim and get fouled um, using his body and kind of like getting in front of guys, putting them in jail, he gets fouls that way. Um, he, he has a, a like a pretty crafty game that really makes up for the fact that he's not very athletic at all. Like the biggest weakness to his game is right now is probably just that he's not a super athletic dude, but he, he gets around it um, and he manages to be impactful on both ends of the floor. And the fact that he now plays super confidently think it's helped that he's been a starter and also handled the ball a lot with LeBron gone. Um, and I think when LeBron comes back, he's going to be able to like seamlessly fit in, hopefully in that starting lineup. Like I really hope that he keeps it when LeBron comes um, because I think he's really earned it and I think he really fits around those guys. Would you call him sneaky athletic? I would not actually. I don't think I don't think he deserves that label. And doesn't even get the sneaky athletic label. That is rough. He's sneaky um, unathletic. <laughs> Okay, okay. Um, so since that Utah game, I looked it up. The, his overall stats: uh, AD obviously leading the team in like everything, but Reeves is averaging fifteen points, uh, shooting fifty-two percent from the field, forty point nine percent from the three-point line on uh, three point seven attempts per game, eighty-eight um, percent from the free throw line on a little over four attempts per game, uh, which is second most. Um, and then he's out, he's adding, you know, 4.2 rebounds, two and a half assists, uh, leads the team in, uh, well, Lonnie Walker actually leads the team in plus minus per game. Um, overall plus minus, I would imagine Lonnie Walker leads at plus 42 or no, excuse me. Austin Reeves does lead it. Lonnie Walker missed a couple games in there. So mm-hmm. Lon- uh, Austin Reeves overall plus minus is the best in that stretch. Patrick Beverly surprisingly is in there as well, but um, he's been really important. I it's it's going to lead to an interesting decision about what you do in the starting lineup when LeBron returns. The Lakers went crazy small on um, mm-hmm. the last couple games. Who do right now, based on the lineup of Pat Bev, Reeves, Lonnie Walker, Troy Brown Jr. I mean AD, but of the other four. Who would you take out of the starting lineup to put uh, to put LeBron in? I don't think right now it's much of a debate. I, I think it has to be Patrick Beverly. Um, I think Beverly's probably grown into his role a little bit more over the last couple of weeks. I thought he was kind of bad tonight um, against the Spurs, but generally speaking, I think he's improved a little bit. But his shooting has not come around at all yet. Um, defensively you know he, he's he's a he's a pest defensively and that's helpful but he, his impact i think has always been a little bit overrated on the defensive end uh so i think you can do away with that and and just start lebron as your nominal point guard and you still have austin reeves as a guy that can take some pressure off of it off of him uh off the bounce uh lonnie walker you know he's, he's not as much of a playmaker but he can still you know attack closeouts and all that and then you still have Troy Brown as uh, sort of the wing defender so that LeBron doesn't necessarily have to work as hard uh, guarding whoever the best wing def- uh, wing player on the other team is. Um, I feel like that's a really nice balanced um, 
starting lineup and then it lets Patrick Beverly play off the bench and kind of be an energy guy uh, and play. And he's another guy that I think, despite his struggles, he kind of fits in at any lineup, really. Like, I don't really care necessarily who he plays with. Um, so uh, I think that, that kind of fits his role as well and, and hopefully puts him in a position where he can better impact the team. That would be my pick as well. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what Darvin Ham does because it seems like so far Pat Bev has kind of had that cachet, uh, deserved or not, to stay in the starting lineup. But that would be my my choice is to take Pat Bev out, shift everybody up a spot, and put LeBron in as the power forward, which feels like a much more natural lineup. And I think a lot of that's possible because of how well Austin Reeves is playing as a ball handler. Um, yeah. And I, I think the nominally LeBron would probably be more of your ball handler and it'd look maybe something more like the 2019-20 team uh, with just some kind of combo guards or ball handling guards uh, with him. But that would be my lineup over the last that same time span since that um, Utah game. The leader in net rating, ironically, I don't disagree with any of the points you made about him. Pat Bev <laughs> is the leader in net rating in yeah. that span. Uh, but Austin Reeves is 10.4. Um, Lonnie Walker's 11.4. AD's 7.3. So all those, I mean, those guys have played really well. Um, I let Pat Bev be kind of the pest on off the bench, him and Schroeder and Russ. I don't know how that dynamic would work if it'd be hilarious. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know that you could play all three of them together, but uh, it would be hilarious if they tried. Um, that, that might be the three most annoying people to play against in the NBA. <laughs> uh, and maybe three of the most annoying people to watch on your team at the same time as well. So nobody would be happy with that lineup. Uh I don't know how that dynamic would work in general, but I think that taking Pat Bev out of the starting lineup, putting LeBron in, that's your best five that the Lakers have right now. Speaking of Dennis Schroeder, I want to talk about him and Thomas Bryant and how they've looked in their first two games back here in just a moment. So the weird kind of scheduling quirk the Lakers had, um, did have a benefit in that it basically allowed um, Dennis Schroeder and Thomas Bryant a week of practice to ease into the lineup that otherwise they absolutely would not have. They both debuted on Friday. Uh, one of the benefits about what the Lakers did on Sunday uh, and blowing a team out is that um, – you get guys like Dennis Schroeder, Thomas Bryant, some extended playing time. Start off with Dennis. What have you thought about how he's played uh, these first two games back? I think for the most part, just sort of what you expect from him. Um, he has a, an ability that I think most of the Lakers guards lack in that he's able to sort of play as the you know the point, uh, pick and roll point guard and snake pick and rolls and, and sort of get into – pockets of space where he can look for a shot or he can accelerate to the rim and he's obviously super fast dude and he can get to the rim and, and he's usually a pretty solid finisher despite his you know his size being a little limited um so yeah for the most part it's kind of everything that i've expected from him i think defensively he can still 
kind of improved. He's he's usually a, a pretty solid defender as well at the point of attack. So um, I think that's another sort of bonus that he can add to the team. I like his role kind of off the bench. Uh, it looks like he has pretty pretty good chemistry brewing with some of those guys, including Thomas Bryant. Um, so yeah, you know, I've been impressed. Obviously, he's not super uh, in rhythm yet. This is only his second game uh, with the team, including preseason. He obviously didn't play in preseason either. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking really forward to to seeing how else he improves uh, moving forward. I think he, I'm he might be the best at the Lakers among their point guards at kind of getting to the rim. Russ at this point, I guess, kind of fits in there. I'm mainly talking between Russ, Pat Bev, and Schroeder. Um, Russ can kind of do it. He had some weird sequences on Sunday where he was in such a pass-first mindset that he ran to the rim and jumped and then was like, uh, what do I do? Um, and so it led to turnovers. He can kind of do it, but Schroeder kind of flashed that a couple times on Sunday. He's so quick. and he can just get by guys uh, if they just have like a moment of hesitation. He's yeah. just by them into the rim. So you saw that and what makes him valuable in that regard. But yeah, as you said, it, it was largely what you expect. Uh, he was one of two from three, uh, four of seven overall, four of four at the free throw line. Um, largely a positive showing from him on Sunday working his way back. It's going to be an interesting dynamic now, as I kind of alluded to. The Lakers have a lot of guards that I don't know all really fit together. As much as I would (laughs) chuckle at a Pat Bev, Dennis Schroeder, Russell Westbrook lineup, I don't know that it works well. Uh, I don't want to see it for an extended amount of time. So um it, I, how Darvin Ham kind of handles that situation is going to be interesting because there's a lot of minutes there. We had, I mean, Kendrick Nunn might factor into that somewhere as well. He seemed to have broken out of his slump this weekend and uh, had some had a strong fourth quarter on Sunday. So, how do you juggle Austin Reeves, Patrick Beverly, Russell Westbrook, Kendrick Nunn, Dennis Schroeder, a whole bunch of guards who? are either point guards or kind of combo guards that I don't know how you split the minutes up among that group. Is there any idea you would have for how you kind of split up those minutes? I think the main thing is that uh, it's almost a guarantee in my mind that uh, all those guys won't be on the roster by the end of the season. I think there's a very, very good chance that You know, regardless of a a Russell Westbrook trade happening, I think there will be some sort of consolidation trade where a couple of those guards get traded and hopefully a wing player comes back. Um, So I think the main thing is over the next two or three months before the trade deadline is that all of those guys at least get some opportunity to show uh, what they're capable of. And then the Lakers decide, hey, we want these roles on our team where these guys are performing the best. And um and move on from the other ones the only issue with that is again like we talked about their record is is pretty bad still and you know they can't afford to lose games by experimenting with their guys so it has to be a little bit of a short leash um i thought darvin ham played his rotations really well tonight he almost 
it was, it was, I mean, kind of bold. And if it didn't work out, maybe he would have been criticized for it. But it seemed like he, uh, once the Lakers were already kind of blowing out the Spurs early on in the game, he was limiting the minutes for AD and Russ, uh, even out of their regular rotation. Um, like AD, I remember, sat out quite a bit of the second quarter after having an 18-point first quarter, um, which was bold, obviously, but it buys those guys some time on the bench and, and gets them some rest. Plus, it gives other guys an opportunity to get on the court and kind of show what they're capable of. So, you know, if they keep performing well and those guys get some minutes, uh, even crucial minutes instead of just garbage time ones, like like you said, Kendrick Nunn had a good fourth quarter, but it was obviously all garbage time. Um, so, you know, hopefully, hopefully they can get some actual minutes, uh, even against bad competition or good competition, but um, just some minutes where they, they can show, you know, if, if they're deserving of being on the on a roster that is hoping to at least make the playoffs. There was always going to be a, uh, as you said, a consolidation, aggregate some of these um, guards into one good, really good guard or a wing player, ideally, something along those lines. There were always too many on the roster. Um, this puts him in an interesting spot. Darvin Ham did say post game this my this this situation might play itself out here in uh the coming days because Russell Westbrook got an X ray after the game on his right thumb. It came back negative for a fracture. He's going to be evaluated further um on Monday today, as you're probably listening to this. Uh, but he did leave the arena with a wrap on his thumb. Um, it, I, it happened on that, uh, goaltending block he had, uh, where they also caught a foul on, I think Austin Reeves was laying on the ground. Um, right afterwards, you saw him kind of reaching for his thumb and looking at it and whatnot. Um, is every Lakers player going to injure their thumb this season or what, what is up with this? It is a, uh, it was one of the rules signed when, um, Everybody went to that LeBron mini camp. Is that they started scheduling out thumb injuries and who was going to get UCL surgeries when? Um, so yeah, I I we don't know the status of that. Uh, it might already be out by the time you guys are listening to this. But assuming he's healthy and, and nothing changes there, yeah, the the Lakers have got to consolidate these guards. Um, it, it's. It's a tricky situation. I would say it might play out something similar to that 2019-20 team where they didn't really have a, a set closing five. It, they just kind of rolled with the hot hand. If Pat Bev's not playing well, if Kendrick Nunn's struggling to shoot, if Dennis Schroeder isn't playing, like whatever the situation might be, you just go to the guy that is playing well. In theory, it works fine. Um I know a lot of these guys are creatures of habit and want to have a known role and kind of knowing when they're going to play and whatnot. So yeah. we'll see how that plays out. But I, I do ultimately agree with you that there is almost no way that these uh, all these guards are going to be on the roster by the trade deadline. Um, Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn uh, put together in a trade can bring you back a pretty pretty good contract. So just looking at it from that standpoint, Russell Westbrook also is going to bring you back a lot of money too in a, in a deal. So just looking at it from those standpoints, um, I, those three would probably be the ones that seem most likely to be dealt, but 
We'll see yeah. how it plays out. Uh, the last guy to talk about, Thomas Bryant, IU legend Thomas Bryant, <laughs> uh, played incredibly well on Sunday. He gives the Lakers size that they haven't had because Damian Jones has been, I mean, honestly, so bad. Um, yeah. What did you think of, of how he played on on Friday and the the chemistry he immediately has with Russell Westbrook? Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. I feel like uh, every time I realize like one of the Lakers players has really good chemistry with Russ right away, then I then I'm reminded that they played together on the Wizards. <laughs> uh, it was the same with Troy Brown, even though it was for like only like 20 games or something. And same with Thomas Bryant now. But uh, yeah, uh, I thought Thomas Bryant's energy more than anything was was really stand out in this game. Um, I feel like because he's the more like skilled player uh, between him and Damian Jones, uh, we all kind of forgot that he's also like pretty athletic. Like he, he moves pretty well. He can uh, get up. He obviously had that big dunk that he might have gotten away with uh, smacking Gorgia Jang in the face. No, 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 it. that was clean. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that's fine. Uh, '90s rules, baby. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he he had some he had some great moments uh, in terms of running and transition. He has super soft hands for a big guy, so you know those sort of like unexpected bullet passes from Russ that not everybody can handle. He he handled them pretty well a couple of times. He's also uh, like instinctually seems like he's really good at like timing his rolls to the rim um, and finding those areas of uh, where, where there's a little bit of space where he can get those sort of passes from the guards. Um, I think it's going to take some time for him to build chemistry with other guys, not just Russ, who he has played with, but building that chemistry with a guy like Dennis Schroeder, who he's probably going to play a lot of minutes with, um, or whoever of the guards that ends up being on the bench, or even you know LeBron when he's back, he's probably going to play some minutes with him as well. Um, building that chemistry is going to be a really big part of this. So hopefully, you know, his minutes keep keep, keep adding up, and he keeps playing with these guys. Um, we still really haven't seen him as, as a floor spacer yet. Um, I don't know if that will happen or not. It might not be as important if, if AD and him are going to be uh, splitting minutes instead of playing together. Um, but it's still you know, a, a nice uh, sort of part of his tool bag that could come in handy at times as well. Yeah, there was so much talk about him as a floor spacer for the Lakers this season that it kind of went under the radar, his other skills. Yeah. Um, he's really good as a rim running big. Uh, he's athletic, high energy, um, just sprints to the front of the rim. Every time there was a couple of his baskets wore that the, the alley-oop rust through him. I thought there was no way in hell he was catching that. And, uh, Russ led him a, a mile away and somehow <laughs> he got to that. Uh, but that, that is, he just plays with such a high level of energy that he's a perfect kind of big man to bring off the bench and 15 points, nine rebounds on Sunday. He gives the Lakers some much needed size. Winnie Gabriel has played so much better than I ever would have expected this season, but he's still very limited in what he can do. Yeah. Um, we'll see how much he continues to play. He played on, on Sunday, albeit I think it was one stint, kind of in the rotation and then a lot of it was garbage time um and uh he played with thomas Bryant a lot and i actually really like that combination like 
uh, I mean, we've already talked about, uh, said the word energy a million times right now, but like those two are two of the more energetic guys on the on the team. And it seems like they can kind of make up for each other's limitations a little bit. Like uh, winning Gabriel is going to be a, a little bit more of a rim protector, so he can help Thomas Bryant in that aspect. And then on the other end, uh, Thomas Bryant, obviously a lot more skilled offensively. So uh, I really like that combination. I'm hoping we get to see a little bit more of it moving forward. Two great grabs great guys to put with Russ as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Alex regular wrote, I believe last week about the chemistry with Russ and Winion. And then, like I said, obviously right away, he seems to have that with Thomas Bryant. So if you're building out a bench unit, Russ, Winion, Thomas Bryant, especially the way Russ has been playing the energy level he's been playing at the, the way he wants to get out and run that's three really good starts to it um, with those three players. So yeah, I, he, I think his minutes were tied almost directly to Winion and, and Thomas Bryant's minutes were tied directly to one another, at least during kind of when the game was still in balance as much as it was on Sunday. So we'll see if that continues, but yeah, it makes a lot of sense to pair those two together. That's all I had. Is there anything else you wanted to, to talk about or mention from this game? Uh, no, not really. Um, little, little bittersweet seeing Matt Ryan, uh, relegated to a garbage time minutes player. The man keeps trucking. It's, it's not changing his outlook on life. The man keeps trucking. He played six minutes and got up four shots. Uh, that is admirable. That's exactly how all of us would want to play if we got an NBA game. Just get out there and just throwing up shots, baby. Uh, he, he had one assist. That's a little disappointing, actually. <laughs> a little stunning. I don't know how many assists he would have had at all this season. Uh, I'm a little shocked that he had one, but he he'll still have a role, I think, and especially if they uh, they actually do consolidate some of those guards, he has a much more clear role. I was actually looking to see if he even had an assist. He had three, so this is four. That that was. I was hoping that this was his first assist of the season, but a fun game, a fun win. Honey, the Lakers play three times between now and the next podcast, which even though you will not be on, I will ask you, what is their record at Phoenix, at San Antonio, at San Antonio, these next uh, three games? It's so hard to predict that because these like playing one team three times in a week, like – it's so hard to win all three of those games. The Spurs were really bad tonight. Uh, I don't think they're always going to be this bad. Like they, they also missed like a lot of shots that they probably won't always miss. But man, it really feels like the Lakers should win both of those games. And then the Suns game, you know, obviously a much tougher uh, competition. But you know what? It's it's the World Cup, uh, and I'm feeling bold as I keep. Uh, telling you guys about my World Cup predictions. Uh, I'm going to say the Lakers win all three of those games. So the, the, by the by the time we're at the next podcast, the Lakers will be, uh, what is that, 6-0 and on the season. <laughs> I will say in, in the most Lakers way possible, they will go 2-1, and one, beat Phoenix, and lose one of the San Antonio games. That's um, respectable. Yeah. yeah, and I would honestly take that. Uh, being 5-1 and one on the season is still... <laughs> 
Uh, very good. But we will be back next week after those games to recap a, a weird road trip at Phoenix, like I said, and then a back-to-back in San Antonio. Um, until then, make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast network. Uh, but for Hani, this is Jacob signing off. Uh, everybody have a great one. Peace.